Oh, good day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Thursday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on Newstalk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning a little state of the economy for you. Good to see you, Mr. Hosking. Uh, do we still need to be quite so worried about emissions, given that everything's turned to crap? Um, what will happen when uh, RNZ and TVNZ become RTMNZ? And uh, who is Mazepin that Mike keeps going on about? Before any of this, uh, hey, it turns out COVID is actually, not, uh, is actually quite bad for you. Two dozen scientists and doctors and public health experts, this is in America, have produced a 136-page report uh, suggesting COVID is still causing intolerable, their word not mine, intolerable levels of death far higher than the flu. So this whole day it's just a flu is not true. Fauci has said the US can safely return to a more normal way of life when the disease burden from COVID resembles viruses like the flu. Uh, So in years past, 1,150 people died weekly from things like the flu and RSV in America. 1,150. The COVID toll is still 10 times higher than that. 12,000 people died in the last couple of weeks on average. More than 9,000 people have died in the last week in America. So 9,000 versus 1,100. Big difference, isn't it? And what that goes to show you is our level of tolerance. Because if you ask most Americans how many people have died of COVID this week, they wouldn't know. And to put it really bluntly, unless they knew somebody, they wouldn't care. Because people want to get on with their lives. Rightly or wrongly, that's the human condition. And so we're more than happy to go 9,000 is acceptable because that's the way we decide things go. It used to be the flu was 1,150 in America. Now it's 9,000. And they will tell you that life is back to normal or comparatively so. And they will tell you, I suspect, that they're happy with it as well. Yeah, Americans are happy with a lot of things, though. I I don't know. As always, I'm not totally convinced that we should just do everything American does because that's how they do it in America. I'm probably wrong about that. I mean, I'm sure that their economy is going way better than ours, right? Between Chris Luxon and the ANZ, the National Party in a single week have, one, reshaped the political debate, and two increase their chances of winning next year by a lot, if not exponentially. Luxon was back into it yesterday, talking up tax cuts and slack government spending. He's on to a winner with this one. And the ANZ came to his aid with their forecast of inflation at 7.5%, the Reserve Bank upping interest rates at 50 points a pop for the next two outings, ending with a cash rate of 3.5%, which means your mortgage most likely has a 6 in it. Helping cement the argument that things economically are a mile off course has been the consumer sentiment numbers, if you've seen those. Uh, we are miserable. Latest stats have tanked. Uh, Now, can we help a war? No, of course we can't. Can you help the price of oil? No, not really. But a lot of the price increases, the crisis in the cost of living, is homegrown. It's in the non-tradable inflation figure the government can't hide from. It's the second highest in the world behind America's. That is what Luxon can run with and win with. COVID never got them anywhere, of course, National, because we are, one, basically divided, and two, basically over it. It was a debate around the margins, borders, mandates, timelines, all that stuff. Tax is real. It's tangible. And everyone is a participant in the debate. Everyone earns money, spends money, and is an expert on what they don't have enough of. They also know that on the average wage, you are not rich or anywhere close to it. And yet a chunk of your income is taxed as the the, the highest level. Add GST and over half your income heads to the government. No one argues that's good policy or economics, do they? One of the theories for the government's re-election was that by next year, COVID should be mainly behind us, and they can get on with trying to convince us that three waters, hey, poor, poor, trains and compulsory job insurance is a good idea and good government. What they didn't see coming, even though they've engineered a good chunk of it themselves, is a recession, is a cost of living crisis, possibly stagflation. The worst of all outcomes, nothing but nothing, undoes a government more quickly than people struggling to pay the bills, cutting back on groceries and worrying about filling up the car. And history will show you 
the tough economic times are the government's fault, whether they literally are or not. This time, they literally are, not all of it, but a big chunk for um, fingers to be pointing at this government. Read ANZ's economic update, for goodness sake. It is a cold winter coming, and the hangover from the debt fueled party is going to be long and painful, and someone is going to pay for it. Ever been to a debt party? I'm not sure if... I think I'd be keen. It'd sound like a great night out. Um, now, uh, the, the, speaking of um, you know bills we can't pay for, the whole emissions trading, you know, let's fix the climate, let's go renewable, it's all looking a bit unsustainable, speaking of sustainable energy, uh, right now in the wake of the fact that, you know, we can't get anything anywhere, anytime, for any price. Now, as Boris puts it, as in Boris Johnson, as Boris puts it, we need a short-term pass on emissions. And with that request or hope came yet another of life's realities, crashing down onto its many theories. He wants a short-term pass because Putin's war has finally woken the world in general, and Europe in particular, up to the fact that being reliant on a single supplier of anything is going to eventually bite you in the bum. We seemingly have all agreed that burning a lot of stuff found in the ground to heat and run ourselves is not the long-term answer now that we've decided climate change is something worth obsessing about. The trouble has been we've insisted on having all these grandiose meetings with ludicrous expectations, then signing up to absurd promises that we were never going to keep. We have a series of reports so far this year that expose the hypocrisy. Banks and their lending to coal or the search for coal has never been higher. Major companies pretending they're climate-friendly when they're nothing of the sort. Even countries like America, who ban pipelines and exploration in certain parts of their own landscape, yet happily still fund Russia and its oil. So, what to do? Well, as Richard Quest told us on Tuesday on the programme, nuclear is an option, of course. Britain is already big on wind and ocean current generation, but none of it, none of it replaces the real thing. And the real thing is coal and oil and gas. And we've been fraudulent when it came to actually transitioning away from fossils. Until Putin rolled across the border, we could be seen to be dabbling. Now it's real. We've been caught out. The Australian election faces a fascinating standoff between Labour, who are all clean and green, and the Liberals, who are sort of clean and green, but understand the bottom line effects of what they have in the ground. And what they have in the ground is currently worth a fortune and growing. So does cash, growth and jobs beat a climate promise? You bet it does. Or at least Scotty from Marketing hope it does. Anyway, there are many casualties of war, and one of them now appears to be a commitment to a cleaner future. Right now, with oil at about 125 a barrel and climbing, going Lord knows where, having the lights on at a price you can afford trumps a clean green vision dreamed up at a conference in Edinburgh or Paris or Kyoto. Oh, I see. So we'll just uh, uh, ruin the planet that way rather than with the war or the virus or... I feel like it's a real race, isn't it, to see how we can you know, cause the end of all times as fast as we can. Uh, it, it, it's the end for uh, TVNZ and Radio New Zealand. Or is it a new beginning? Pronouncements coming today at midday from Chris Farfoy, a former colleague of mine when we worked together on the days of um, breakfast, TVNZ Breakfast, that started 20-something years ago. And he's going to merge the two companies. He's going to um, take TVNZ, blow it up, and he's going to take Radio New Zealand and blow it up, and he's going to join them all together. And there was the leaks that came out yesterday. Both organisers uh, organisations going to be disestablished. Uh, Radio New Zealand properties would remain commercial free. TVNZ would still have some commercial imperatives, but would not be required to pay a dividend. That's just a recipe for slackness and laziness. 
mark my words, I've, I've worked for organisations in the media who operated under that particular model and people just go to sleep. Uh, new Entity is going to be based on a not-for-profit model. Terrific. That's exactly what you want, isn't it? Shall we put this on the television? Well, will it write? Well, who cares? What if it doesn't, what if it's not popular? What's it matter? But we won't make any money. So? No one's expecting us to. And you just fall asleep. The imperatives that drive success and determination are gone. As a general rule, the public interest emphasis will override the commercial imperative within the firm. TBNZ is going to be the bigger loser out of this uh, because Radio New Zealand's already a cloistered environment. TBNZ has a slightly outward-looking view of the world or a slightly more outward-looking view of the world and they'll be crushed into the cloistered environment that is Radio New Zealand. And it's a shame. We'll be, I don't know that many people are gripped by this. Are they, is it one of those stories that most people go, oh, my God, they're changing? You know, so much TV out there. If this turns out to be crap, you won't watch it. Simple as that. Well, certainly I wouldn't have thought there's about a third of Aucklanders who uh, listen to this show um, who don't care what happens to Radio New Zealand. That's for certain because they're listening to us. Uh, right, we're going to uh, finish up here. Mike, he's banging on and on and on and on and on and on and on about the Russian guy in F1 who's no longer allowed to be in F1 anymore because he's Russian. And but before he started banging on about him, I'd never heard of him. Had you? I feel very, very sorry for Mazepin this morning, Nikita Mazepin. Uh, he's thinking about legal action. It'll be interesting to see if he goes down that track. This is F1, of course. They've announced this morning that Pietro Fittipaldi, grandson of the famous Emerson, is going to be at least testing for Haas. Uh, they don't know whether he gets the drive or not, but the season begins in a couple of weekends' time. Anyway, Mazepin, this is the part. This is one of the casualties of war. It's not Mazepin's fault. They've sacked him, basically, because he's Russian and his dad's connected to Putin. It's not his fault he's Russian. It's not his fault his country's at war. And yet not only has he lost his job, he's lost his career. There's no way in the world the F1's ever going to touch him again, simply because he's Russian. He's done nothing wrong at all. So if he went down the lawsuit track, it'd be a case worth following, wouldn't it? So... In the end, I I got a bit of fit of fed up, and I thought, am I just a know-nothing bozo? I mean, I'm not an avid follower of F1, but, you know, I've heard of people like Lewis Hamilton and, um, you know, the other ones that I can't immediately name, but I've heard of them. Uh, Verstappen, is he one? I think he's one. Um, but I'd never heard of Mazepin until Mazepin wasn't allowed to do it anymore. So I looked at, he's never won anything, that's why. Never even got on the podium. Didn't even win anything when he was in F2. So maybe that's why he's been fired, and it's not really anything to do with him being Russian after all. I'm Glenn ZB. Um, honest facts, that's what you get. I've heard the little ID. It says that's what we do. We do honest facts. And I'll be back with more honest facts with another rewrap tomorrow. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>